Okay, if the young people want to go out, uh, your uh, church activities are going on. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for giving it to us and for uh, all the different people that have been involved in that and the inspiration that you've brought to them. Please, Lord, speak to us through it this morning and be one of our number. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Uh, This morning, we're continuing our series on the building up of the community of the church. Uh, We're delving especially into uh, John Johnson's book on spiritual disciplines, and we're looking at the subject of listening, and how good a listener are you this morning, and when you listen, do you actually hear? Uh, But the actual passage this morning, I give it a slightly different title, and I give it the title, Popular Preacher Arrives Late to an Important Appointment After Getting Unduly Distracted and Delayed. You see, often we read this, and we've read it so many times before, but let's engage with it on its face value this morning, and then let's get deeper and see what God is actually saying to us. Because let's be honest, don't we hate distractions and interruptions to our busy schedule? Uh, But this passage in Mark chapter 5 suggests maybe that we're, we're missing the point. The writer, pastor, and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer They had a seminary in Finkelwald, Germany in 1935 at the height of Nazi opposition. Twenty-five vicars at the seminary were together. They were in emergency-built accommodation. It wasn't that comfortable. Uh, Their leader was starting to get opposition from the Nazi regime. Uh, He had been speaking on a radio uh, show and he'd been taken off the air. So there's opposition starting. And here they were sort of living together as well. Uh, and Bonhoeffer writes his book, Life Together, during this time, where he processes the external pressures and also the internal tensions of the group. And he cautions them, saying, Christians so often think they must always contribute something when they're in the company of others, that this is the one service they have to render, but they forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Bonhoeffer kept emphasizing that having a rich life with God enables us to love others. Rich solitude brings rich community. And a life with God teaches us to listen to others. He warned, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God himself. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. And in the end, there's nothing left but spiritual chatter and clerical condescension are read in pious words. Uh, Dietrich didn't mince his words, did he? Uh, Spiritual chatter and clerical condescension are read in pious words. In other words, we, we, we say to people what they want to hear or what sounds right, and yet we haven't listened, and we haven't listened to what God is saying into the situation as well. You see, what Bonhoeffer learned in the fiery furnace of Hitler's Germany about listening and loving was something that Jesus knew and demonstrated. And Bonhoeffer counseled, chatter does not create fellowship. Chatter does not create fellowship. Isn't that a a little thing to ring in your head maybe for this week? So let's not chatter. Let's let's listen. So with that in mind, let's listen to what uh, Jesus means us to get from this passage. 
When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Can you hear the emotion in his words? And any parents here, you know what that, that means. My little daughter is dying. Please come. Please hurry. Please put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus responds and he goes with him. Jairus was also an important client here. He was a leader in the synagogue. He was an important person. Uh, thinking in worldly terms, this was good for networking. This was good for Jesus' uh, ministry and getting known. So many reasons why Jesus wanted to hurry and get there as quick as he could. And also, not, not least, because this little girl was in dire situation. So a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. How would you feel if you had a sickness for 12 years? And we don't need to go into the details of it, but this illness meant that she was unclean and she couldn't be touched by other people or indeed go into uh, the Lord's temple. So can you imagine being out of fellowship of, of worship and, and Christian friends for 12 years? She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Listen to that. If I can just touch his clothes, I can be healed. There's a faith in that. There's a certainty. There's not much being asked for, but it's, she's, you can see the importance that she puts on it. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, why do you suppose that the woman touched Jesus' clothes instead of asking for healing? Jairus had asked for healing. He was the leader in the synagogue. He was an important person. But this woman was a nobody. This woman didn't want any attention. She didn't want anybody to even know she was there. She suffered from a disease which to Judaism meant her ceremonial, ceremonially unclean, like leprosy. She'd been barred from God in the temple. She'd been barred from fellowship with God's people. So conscious of her needs, she made many costly attempts to remedy it, but the human help sought by her and given to her in all sincerity, it was all in vain. It only made her worse. So here we see her sense of need, coupled with the glad news of Jesus, which she'd obviously heard, for both factors must, must have been present. This led her to come, although at first only as a nameless member of the crowd, she didn't want to be seen. Her faith was at once exercised and displayed in the contact with Jesus. The exact nature of the contact isn't really that important. It's a measure of her faith that she saw how much this little act could do for her. It's interesting when you look into Scripture. Remember Naaman in the Old Testament? And uh, the prophet of God says for him to go and wash seven times in the Jordan. And he's indignant. He said, look, if this prophet of God knows who I am, he'll come and he'll heal me in person. And even Thomas in the upper room, he said, look, I can't take your word for it. I need to see Jesus in person. I need to put my finger into the prints of the nails in his hands. So we see lesser faith that they needed greater contact. But this woman, all she needs is a touch. So it's really symbolic of her faith that it'll only take a touch 
from Jesus to heal me. At once Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Is it interesting that the Lord of heaven and earth knows when the power goes out of him? Because I think there's a, a humanity to Jesus when he was on earth, and I think it exhausted him to heal. Because we often hear about him going off to silent places to pray and to recuperate. So he knew that something had happened. It suggests that healing people had an effect on Jesus. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? Isn't Jesus patient? He doesn't mind this ridicule from his, his own disciples. They thought he was mad. It wasn't one person that had touched him. It was dozens. Dozens of people were touching him that, that morning. But if any of you have sensed the presence of God, you know that Jesus isn't interested in the dozens. He's interested in you. And he can reach in. He can touch you just where you are, just where, where you're feeling. He can listen to your heart. And he can give you what you need because Jesus is a very personal, a very personal God. And it wasn't the dozens uh, that mattered at this moment. It was this one person who had come to Jesus in need. And that's who he responds to. All of us who have sensed Jesus drawing us to him or leading us in a particular direction will testify that as a personal and direct sense of his invitation. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. Don't miss that bit. She was trembling with fear. She was scared out of her wits. And she told him the whole truth. Now Jesus makes clear that it isn't just touching his clothes that heals her. It is her faith. But she must confess her great need of healing and the glad fact of her salvation. But this was costly for her. She was in fear and trembling. She didn't want to be noticed. For a woman to speak in public before a crowd, above all to talk about such personal matters, it would have been very humbling. But humility is an essential within the kingdom of God. It's interesting too, this phrase, the whole truth. I don't know if you noticed it first time when you heard it. I know whenever you, you ask somebody how they are and they say fine, and then maybe you're, you're conscious and you say, well, no, how are you really? And they say, oh, well, I'll tell you the whole truth. Do you not groan inwardly? <laughs> What does that mean, the whole truth? I bet you Jesus was standing there for maybe half an hour hearing her whole truth. You know, the implication of this is that he sat and he listened. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I listen, uh, I sometimes fall into the trap of thinking what my answer is or thinking about other things or, or not actually listening and engaging. So it's often a very telling uh, thing about what is the next thing that he says whenever she stops telling him the whole truth. And he says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. He acted with compassion. He'd already adopted her as his daughter. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That is what God offers us this morning. He offers to adopt us as his children. He offers us uh, healing and salvation and joy and freedom in him. Go in peace, be freed from your suffering. We can often guess uh, that you know, what he has actually said shows from what is in his heart that he does care. Some have suggested that Jesus' little brother James wrote his New Testament letter, you know, the, the book of James, having seen his brother. Now, what was his brother doing even before uh, he was in ministry? Because it's interesting that his family actually were quite 
disenchanted when he took up his ministry, and it does talk about them falling out with him. So perhaps he's talking about when he ran the carpentry business. And don't forget, Jesus ran this carpentry business until he was the age of 30. Now, we don't hear much about Joseph. I'll call him Jesus' foster father, uh, who was there to nurture and, and help him grow up. And it's possible that, that he maybe had already passed on. We don't know. Maybe it was an industrial accident. Maybe it was illness or sickness. But here we have a family that didn't have it easy. And here we had Jesus looking after the family business. But how does James describe what it is like in community? He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's quite telling, isn't it? So what he had seen as his older brother was running the business, that he was quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Wouldn't it be great if we were all like that? Because that is quite a challenge. But that tells us something about the nature of Jesus. But listening is an act of submission. It takes time. It takes effort. We have to put the rest of our life on hold. We need to be truly, truly present to someone during our conversation. See, the, hu the woman's human despair and helplessness meets with the power of God and Jesus. She had been already healed by her faith, but open confession brought her a word of confirmation from Jesus and a fuller understanding of her recent experience. You see, this in turn brought a realization of the means by which she'd come into this experience, your faith, the promise of God's peace, a sense of security for the future. You see, confession therefore brought to her not healing, but assurance. It actually brought her closer to Jesus. This woman's bodily healing is a good picture of healing of the soul as well, in that we need to see our need of Jesus, our faith that he can change us and rescue us, and taking that step of humility and grabbing out for him, grabbing out for his cloak. That's all he asks us to do. Now, she would have been willing to slip away into the crowd with her immediate physical need met, but Jesus had something much greater in store for her, which could only come about by open confession. It's not just healing, it's salvation. And that's what Jesus offers us this morning. It's not just to heal our ills, but it's to actually walk with us, to give us a freedom in him. It is actually more an eternal footing where he heals us uh, for a life with him in eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm always interested, what happened to Jairus' daughter? Because this is all very great, but this, I thought Jesus was in a hurry. It's interesting because Jairus then sends the message, it's too late. Thank you for coming, uh, but my daughter has passed on. And you can imagine the grief that is starting in this man's heart. And here is this preacher who's been delayed. Why couldn't he come quicker? He had this unexpected distraction of a sick woman grabbing the end of his cloak and then disappearing. Was it even worth stopping? Is it even worth talking to someone begging on the street for ourselves or someone that holds us up from our busy lives? Well, the message of this passage is that yes, it actually is. And don't worry about Jairus' daughter. Jesus heals her with a word because you see, the, the savior that we serve this morning is not just Lord of nature. He doesn't just calm the storm. He's actually the Lord of life and death and he can bring healing and he can take care of the situation. He doesn't always heal uh, physically, but he can take care of the situation because he is God. He is over all things. 
So we see that everything was in control, everything was okay, that God was in control, and that's who we serve this morning. And guess what? This is the same person who's busy. We see how busy he was in the Gospels, but Jesus has time to stop and listen. Are we sensitive to the imploring touch of those around us? Do we listen? Do we hear? When we listen, can we hear? Can we hear what they're really saying? When we listen, do we hear what's really in their heart? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your son Jesus, when he was on earth, he gave us this example of being incredibly busy, but incredibly in the moment with everyone and listening and hearing and knowing their deepest need, letting them tell their whole truth, their whole story, and not being distracted. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for that sensitivity in each of our own hearts, that we may be uh, reacting to your sensitivity in our lives and overflowing that into the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.